Chapter 1, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells the believers here in the church of Ephesus what they have. Talks about in verse 3 how He has blessed us, chosen us. Verse 5, He predestined us, accepted us, redeemed us. Verse 8, abounded towards us, hath made known unto us the mystery of His will. But in chapter 2, he reminds us not what we have, but who we were. Who we were before Christ Jesus. Verse 1, chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we have had all, all had our conversation in times past, the lust of, the, of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For, we, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In verse 10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this day and the opportunity to be in Your house. I pray, God, You'd help us never, never take this for granted, the privilege of being in Your house, to being with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the opportunity to worship, to sing the songs of Zion, and to hear your word preached. I pray, God, that you would bless this service. And again, Father, that you do what I cannot do, that you'd speak to the hearts of the folks in front of me today. And Father, we do lift up our prayers for our dear folks that are in south of us in Parkwood, Florida, many who lost their lives in the tragedy of the shooting that happened last week, that you would be with them, that you would show mercy and grace and love, that you would draw them close to you, that you would give comfort and help in this time of need. But Father, I pray during this time you'd help us to re remember the amazing grace that you have bestowed upon us and help us to realize what we have in you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. John Newton was born in 1725 in England. John was about seven years age. His mother, a dedicated Christian, died. At the age of 11, he decided to quit school and go out with his dad, who was a sea captain. At 18, he fell in love with a young lass by the name of Mary Catlett. The relationship did not continue, but he had, he had to go back to the sea. He was a sailor. He was a salty sailor. He was mean. 
He cursed. He blasphemed. Nobody liked him. The captain didn't like him. So the captain made him go down there and stay with the slaves. He became so sick and emaciated because of his conditions, his living conditions, that one day he fell off the ship. And the captain harpooned him back onto the boat. Imagine that. Well, he left that ship and got on another ship called the Greyhound. It was out on sea one day and it was a terrible storm. And during this terrible storm, he found a Bible and found this one verse, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, which reads, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? And that day, John Newton realized that he was a sinner and he asked Jesus Christ to be his personal Savior. Because of John Newton, we have one of the most great, greatest songs in our hymn book. It's called Amazing Grace. I love that song. And wherever I go, people know that song. Amazing Grace. But of all the people in the New Testament that knows about grace, probably the one that knows about grace the most is the one person who under the Holy Spirit of God used the word grace the most. That would be the Apostle Paul. His name started out as Saul, which means big, but became Paul, which means little. Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was a law-abiding, law-keeping Pharisee who hated Christians, hated those of the way, so much that he persecuted them. The Bible says in the book of Acts, he wrought havoc upon the church. He despised them, wanted them to be destroyed, and was probably there when Stephen was stoned to death. He kept the coats while others stoned Stephen to death. One day on the road to Damascus, this great light shone from heaven. And through that great light, these words came to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul cried out, Who art thou, Lord? That voice said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Jesus tells Saul to go to Damascus and should be told what would be done to him. He finds this man by the name of Ananias, lays hands on him and is filled with the Holy Ghost. Saul becomes Paul and he is gloriously saved. He understands the grace of God. It is not theory, but practice. It is not just teaching. It is life. So when we come to Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is not talking about something he heard about. He's talking and telling the, the church at Ephesus about something that he had lived. That Jesus Christ saved his soul by his amazing grace. The question I want to ask this morning is, why is God's grace so amazing? Why is God's grace so amazing? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, because of the problems we all face. Why is God's grace so amazing? Because of the problems we all face. You see, the, the verses that we looked at here in chapter 2 tells us there in verse 1, and you have to be quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. I mean, that's pretty bad, right? To be dead. That's spiritually dead. Because Adam chose to eat the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, we who are children of Adam, and that is all of us, have inherited his sin nature. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man 
sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. There is none righteous, verse 10. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They have all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You say, I was born with a divine spark. No, you weren't. You say, I have a little goodness in my heart. No, you don't. You were born a wretched, vile sinner. That's why the song says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. John Newton knew exactly who he was before Christ. He was a wretch. And all of us before Christ we're wretched, but that's not all of our problem. Yes, we were dead spiritually, but not only that, look at verse 2. It says there, when times pass, you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? That's right. Revelation 12, 9, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. John 8, 44, Ye of your father the devil. This is Jesus' words to the Jews. And the lust of the father ye will do. He, talking about Satan, was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in. He is a deceiver. He is a liar. He is a murderer. He is a thief. He is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Oh, folks, we have problems. If you want someone to hate, hate the devil. Hate the devil. We have the problem over, of sin and, and the devil. But not only that, verse 3, look, it says, Among whom you all had a conversation, time passed, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and are by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Have you ever tried to explain the gospel to somebody and they were like, What? Why? Because they're walking according to their own flesh and their own mind, and they cannot perceive spiritual truth. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. Yesterday, Mike and I were out on visitation, and we came up to this house, and they had a doorbell, and on top of the little doorbell it said, Ring. You ever seen those? Ring. So I rang it. It says ring, so I rang it. I pressed the button, and it was ringing somebody. So I was sitting there, Mike and I were waiting, and it's, it's making, it sounds like I'm making a phone call. And this, this gentleman answers, and he says, can I help you? And I said, hi, my name is Marty Moon. I'm with Gospel Baptist Church. I'd love to leave, leave some literature with you. And he said, no, thank you. Hung up. <laughs> I wanted to say, hi, my name is Marty Moon. I'm from Publisher's Cleaning House. You've just won a million dollars. I bet he would have come running then. <laughs> but folks, what I was offering is worth 10 billion times 10 billion times 10 billion times 10 billion times 10 trillion times all the money in the world of all time. I was offering him Jesus Christ who could give them eternal life. <laughs> eternal life. 
if he only understood what he had. You want to know why the problems we have? You know why we have much trouble in this world? It's because of sin. Because of Satan. Because of the flesh. This wicked world that we live in. Thank God for His amazing grace that He didn't just leave us in this spiritual condition and said, okay, I'm done with you. Look down in verse 4. But God. <laughs> but God. Who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Oh, the problems we all face. But thank God for the provision that Jesus Christ has made for all of us. What was his motivation for salvation? He's rich in mercy. The God of this Bible, folks, is rich in mercy. Psalm 136, 26. Oh, give thanks unto God of heaven for his mercy endureth forever. And not only that, the Bible says, not only is he rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. His love is great. John 15, 13. Where greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ didn't just come to do miracles. He wasn't just a good man. He was and is and ever will be God. And he laid down his life for me. And he laid down his life for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you believe it today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? And have you placed your faith in Him so that you might have everlasting life? Oh, He loves you. He showed you great mercy. He showed you great love. We see the motivation of His salvation, but not only that, we see the method of His salvation. The Bible says that for whosoever shall call upon the name of, his, of the Lord shall be saved. Here in these verses... It tells us, for by grace are you saved. And I just want to say hallelujah. I'm so glad I don't have to work to be saved. I'm so glad I don't have to come to church every Sunday to be saved. I'm so glad I don't have to get in that baptismal pool and get dunked every Sunday to be saved. I'm so glad I don't have to go on visitation and get down on my knees and, and do some type of prayer to be saved. All I need to know is that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He died on the cross for my sins. He shed His blood for my sins. And me as a sinner says, Lord, I need you. I need you. Save me. And He did. And He will for you. For whosoever. You say, you don't know how bad I am. You don't know how bad I was either. Only God knows. But I tell you this, if you call out to Him recognizing your sin, He will save you today. He's in the saving business. In the Old Testament, He shows His mercy and grace over and over. In Genesis 7, we read about a universal flood that was going to destroy the whole world because of their wickedness. Their thinking, their thoughts was only evil continually, the Bible says in the book of Genesis. God says, I'm going to destroy them all. Billions of them. But, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And eight people were saved. Oh, the boat was open for all people, but only eight chose to get into the ark, and eight were saved, and from that eight come all of us. In Exodus, the descendants of Noah's son Shem are in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, but he didn't leave them in bondage. 
He heard their cries. He heard their screams. He heard their horror. And he sends a deliverer by the name of Moses to lead them from bondage into freedom. In the New Testament, read in Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, at just the right time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Brothers and sisters, how amazing is God's grace? How amazing is His grace? He didn't leave us in our misery, in our sin. He sent His Son to deliver us, to save us from our sin. And that's what Jesus' name means. Savior. Savior. Do you know the Savior today? You say, Marty, I'm religious. I didn't ask you if you're religious. I go to church. I didn't ask you if you go to church. Marty, I do good things. I didn't ask you if you did good things. I asked you, do you know Jesus this morning? Do you know Jesus this morning? Has there been a time and a place where Jesus Christ washed your sins away? As Brother Ralph said, saying this, this morning, he reached way down and, and grabbed your hand. And you grasped his hand and said, Lord, I want to be saved. You say, he couldn't save me. Yes, he can. He can save you. But thank God it didn't just end there. He didn't say, okay, I, you, you, you've sinned and, and, and I've and sent my son to save you. Only as glorious as, as that is, but not only do we realize the problems that we all face and the provision of his grace that he's made to us through his son, we see thirdly, the power to run the race. That as a believer in Christ Jesus, he gives us power. He gives us strength to live the Christian life. So many times we as Christians we say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Let me go do my own thing. Let me live my own life. God gives us saving grace, but not only that, He gives us strengthening grace. How, must, how many of us need strengthening grace to go through the day? Do you? Do you get up in the morning and say, I don't want to? I'm tired. I'm worn. I don't want to. The Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus and the good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Oh, dear brothers and sisters of Christ, we're not saved by works, but when you get saved by Jesus Christ, you'll want to do something for him. You'll want to go around and tell people about him. You'll get excited about him. You'll get, you'll get happy about him. You'll want to say, Lord, what can I do for you as Paul the Apostle did? How can I be used of you? So Paul knew his grace for strength. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he writes, The church at Corinth, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He's saying to the church of Corinth, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't be apostle. I, I shouldn't have this responsibility. I'm not worthy. I'm not meat. I'm not worthy to be an apostle. I persecuted the church. I was there with Stephen with Stone. I've done so many bad things. I'm sure if we had opportunity, many of you could tell the wicked and horrible things we've all done before Christ. And sometimes we think about what we were before Christ and say, Lord, how could you save a wicked person like me from sin? I love verse, verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He said, I'm not what I am because of me. I am what I am today by the grace of God. 
It said, the grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He trusted in God's grace, not in himself, but didn't just stay there and said, Lord, give me grace, give me grace, give me grace. He said, then I'm going to, by your grace, labor for you. It's the farmer who says, Lord, I need the rain. You have to make the plant grow. Help me, but I'm going to put the seed in the ground. Too many folks are saying, Lord, help, help, help. We're not willing to do anything about it. It's not just the praying of the prayer. It's the turning of your life from the sin, from wickedness unto righteousness. And dear brother and sister in Christ, when you turn and you ask for grace, he's there saying, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'm here. I'll help you. We, he, we see His grace in the time when there was needs to be strength, but not only that, we see in this passage when He's suffering. Paul suffered. Because when you're used of God, you're going to suffer. All they that live in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're living right with God, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to suffer for God. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. It's part of the Christian life. In chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about a person who gets to go up to heaven. And he doesn't say it, it's him. He says, I know a person. I know someone who's doing this. I believe this is Paul, chapter 14, the book of Acts, who gets stoned to death at Lystra. He's died, and now the Lord allows him to go to heaven and see the glories of heaven now imagine that god allows you the opportunity to see the glories of heaven streets of gold gates of pearl you get to see it and then god allows you to come back how would you respond to that <laughs> you'd be you'd be like i got to go to heaven you didn't go yet <laughs> Well, you know, after a while, you, after a while, the folks around you might be excited for you, but after, but after too long, they probably get mad at you because you got start talking about heaven all the time. You're like, well, I didn't get to see it, you know, kind of like when your your brother or sister got something and you didn't get it, and they tell you how wonderful it is over and over and over and over and over and over, and then when they leave, you take it. <laughs> I know none of you guys out there ever did that. No, no. but the Bible says in Chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, we don't know what that thorn in the flesh is. There's many people who speculate what that could be, his eyesight, other things. But all we know, this was something sent, allowed by God, this messenger of Satan, to buffet him. In verse 8, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice. Three times he asked the Lord, take this away from me. Take this, this buffeting, this messenger, this pain, this problem. Take this away from me. And the Bible says in verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What? 
You mean this thing that, that God was doing for Paul was, was for his good? Yeah. This thorn in the flesh that was this messenger of Satan that was given to him was for Paul's good. Whoever thinks pain is good. How many people like pain? I like pain. I like suffering. I like sorrow. I like disappointments. I like problems. I like difficulty. None of us like it, do we? But do we need it? Yeah. Verse 10, therefore, he says, at the conclusion of all these things, his conclusion is, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How could you say that, Paul? How could you say the fact that you went through all these things, yet in the midst of all this pain and suffering, that you were, that you were, take pleasure in them? And not run from them? Not try to say, I don't, I don't want them? Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, I can't tell you how many people who've gone, that I know, who are on these walls right here, that Pastor and I helped, these, these montages right here, that you, you see on the right, Pastor and I helped put on these things. There's people on these walls that I looked at Monday and then last night I looked at and I see what God has done through their life and I smile and I praise God. And then there's others that I see that a problem happened in their life. Suffering. Hardship. And it's still, instead of responding, Lord, I take pleasure in this. They took the problem, the pain, the suffering, the hardship, and today those folks not even in church. Instead of responding to what God was doing in their life so that they could be better and then God to get the glory, they responded it with it and got bitter at God. And some of these folks that you see on these walls are no longer attending church anywhere. They're no longer. What's the difference? What's the difference of those who went through hardship and said, Lord, I'm going through this. I don't know how to deal with it, but I'm going through this. Would you help me? And those who said, Lord, I, why is this happening? The difference is them responding to God's grace or rejecting God's grace. You see, if I was to say to you, here's this, here's this water. You say, I'm thirsty. Okay, here's the water. Well, I'm thirsty. What's, okay, here's the water. But if you reject the water that I hand to you, what can I do for you? Too many folks who say they're Christians are saying, Lord, you saved me by, my, by grace, but I don't want to surrender to you anymore. I don't want the water. I don't want you. And God says, okay, I've saved you. But if you, don't want, if you don't want to surrender to me, if you don't want to follow me, if you don't want to be used by me, then you won't get to be a trophy of my grace and have the platform to tell other people about my amazing grace in your life. And oh, how He wants to use us. If 
you'll simply let him. Lord, I need your grace. I need your grace. I don't know about you, but this week I've been watching a lot of the Olympics. It only happens every four years, so why not, right? I saw someone this week that I hadn't seen in many years, Scott Hamilton. How many of you remember Scott Hamilton from the 80s? I saw him an announcer one night, and I didn't know, you know, saw him. I said, man, there's Scott Hamilton. I didn't know his story. Scott Hamilton was born with a disease that he couldn't grow properly. And uh, went doctors in and out, in and out, in and out to hospital, couldn't figure out what the problem was. So his parents, to try to encourage him and helped him, encouraged him to be a part of an ice skating club. And he said, why not? So he got in this ice skating club, became, you know, uh, good at it, found folks that, that he liked, friends, encouraged him, helped him in what he was doing. And he, began, and he began winning championships, began winning state local championships and state championships, and just really fell in love with ice skating. Well, in the mid-90s, the person he loved most in this world, his mother, passed away. And right after his mom passed away, he found out that he had cancer. And the young lady that he'd been dating, named Tracy, took him to church. And the first time in his life, he saw the reality of God by going to church. He went on to get married, went on to win many championships. 1984-85, I believe, he, he got to win the gold medal in the Olympics and was doing great things, being used in a great way. But in 2004, he found out he, was, he had a tumor in his brain. And the doctors, after they removed the tumor, said to him, the reason why you didn't grow like you are supposed to when you were a child was because of this tumor. The tumor. And he stopped and began to thank God for the tumor. You see, folks, if it wasn't for the tumor, he probably wouldn't have joined the ice skating club. He probably wouldn't, wouldn't have won championships Certainly wouldn't have went on to win a, a gold medal. But most importantly, he would not have had the platform to share God's amazing grace with people today. God used the tumor in Scott Hamilton's life to bring him to a realization of God's amazing grace. Oh, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I wonder today, are we trying to live the Christian life without God's grace? Are we trying to live it on our own? Maybe some of you in this room have never trusted in Jesus Christ as be your personal Savior. You're trying to somehow, some way, think you're good enough or, or, or smart enough or intelligent enough or religious enough to get to heaven. But you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is saying to you, I have the water. Won't you drink? You say, no, I can do it on my own. I promise you, you can't. If you're trusting in anything or any person outside of Jesus Christ, you will not be saved. And brother and sister in Christ, if you're trying to live the Christian life on your own, yes, He saved you from your sins so you don't have to die and go to a devil's hell, 
But why not live the Christian life asking, basking in His grace on a regular basis when you are struggling and when you are suffering? It's amazing. But you know what? It's only amazing if you receive it. You must receive it. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. How wonderful Your grace is. Thank You at 17 years of age, I recognized the fact that I was a sinner and I could not save myself. Thank You for that young lady who invited me to church for the gospel that was preached that day. And I pray, God, today if there be someone in this room that does not know Jesus Christ, they're trying, they're straining, they're struggling to, to somehow be religious, to somehow get to heaven, help them to realize, Father, that that is pointless and futile. That You are the, you are the, the only way to heaven. You said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Help them to see their sin like Newton did, like Paul did, like Scott Hamilton did, like I did. Father, may they see their sin and cry out to You, Save me, Lord Jesus. Save me. And You promised, Whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I pray for that Christian today who's struggling in their Christian life, Struggling, falling, failing, because they're trusting in themselves, they're trusting in those around them, they're trusting in everything but you. May they stop trying and start trusting. May they cry out for your grace. I beg today, in Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.